Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, this is Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Uh, you know, it's uh, spring training. It's here. Pitchers and catchers report. Beat writers report. Although I got a note, I'm we're doing a video here uh, for recording, and I I see you guys look <laughs> Chicago bound. Is that is that accurate to say? You guys haven't headed out yet? Uh, no. Enjoying the snow. You know, we c- <laughs> couldn't didn't want to miss all this. Who who wants to miss this? I need to I need to shovel eighteen inches of snow. Who I, I don't want to go to Arizona. Come on. <laughs> I, I've seen the I've seen the early pictures from the folks who have arrived and I mean they know. You know that when you send that, it's a little bit of an F you to everybody else, yeah, right? Like it's a little cruel. I, I find it explicit. a little cruel. Yeah, it's like not explicit. <laughs> like you aren't doing it as an F you, but when you send it, you know. You're like, Oh hey, look at these beautiful trees. Aren't they nice, everyone? <laughs> Meanwhile, we haven't seen a tree in a month. Um Okay, but like I said, it is. It, we are officially into that time now, and that's um, at at one level. That's why we're podcasting today. But it's also necessarily a transition point in the off season uh, because players are going to start getting to work. Rosters are getting more or less finalized. Uh, you know, there's still a, a decent clip of players outstanding in free agency, and and we're seeing some of that resolution even. As of this morning, when we're recording, Cubs, uh, you know, according to the Athletics, Patrick Mooney uh, are nearing a deal with uh, former Red Sox closer, former Phillies uh, trade target who didn't quite do very well in 2020, Brandon Workman. Um, And we can perhaps touch upon that later. Uh, But I think I wanted to kick things off to mention... um, is something that was very interesting at a micro level, but then overall just for the roster and for the way we think about the Cubs heading into 2021. And it's been this, <laughs> I guess we could get real specific and say Chris Bryant. It's been this lingering thing for two years now of, well, you know, what are the state of talks? When's the trade going to happen? What are the reports coming out of other cities that indicate there have been talks and this and that? And, you know, you guys clarified with Jed Hoyer, uh, yesterday, as he has arrived at spring training, uh, basically like, hey, what's up? There have been reports out of New York that there were rekindled talks on Chris Bryant. Is something going to happen now that spring training is underway? And I think, you know, Jed answered in the way that you would expect, which is you can't ever say nothing is going to happen for sure because some team might call, some injury might happen, and you might get that phone call. But I think what a lot of us were looking for was that confirmation that barring something crazy like that, we can now say, okay, spring training has started. Chris Bryant is here. He's the third baseman on the Cubs. That's that. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember when it was that Jed – talked right before that but it it was a different it sounded differently uh his reaction to are are there going to be moves this spring like how safe are guys like chris bryan i think the yeah the the question was have you offered like guarantees to those guys yeah like you know we're past that window and you're right the response seemed explicitly to leave open that door it was about a week 10 days ago yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the tone changed. I don't know if he read the reaction to that and felt like, okay, I need to be a little bit more forceful here or or maybe, you know, who knows exactly what changed in that in the week to to make the tone of that answer change so much. But it did. I agree. Like it went from 
it went from okay yeah don't rule anything out certainly don't and and we're going to continue to look for ways to to kind of revamp this roster even during the spring to hey this is this is the team that that you're likely going to see barring something odd barring someone coming in with an offer that really intrigues us you know the two guys that have been mentioned most in trade rumors Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant probably start the season there I think it makes especially with Bryant I think it makes all the sense in the world you're at this point unless someone is going to come and offer you something very interesting uh, whatever that may be whatever that is whatever Chris Bryant's value is uh, I, I I just I, I don't see how it makes more sense to do that than to see what his see you know a feel out the I mean the long shot possibility of of an extension uh, you keep that there as well as you have three, four months to build your value back up and and be a valuable trade target for other teams that will be competing. Or if they do the unlikely and are in the hunt, or like very, you know, looking like they're one of the better teams in the NL, then you continue to, to push in and, and try and win this year, right? Uh, so uh, yet again, I, I know we, we said this about a year ago before everything shut down. But July seems like the big, uh, the big date we should circle for this team yet again. See where they are. Those first three months are going to be critical. I think Jed said those first hundred days or so he was talking about that. that that's going to be really big for this team, it's for this first, organization. The first hundred days of the, the new Jed Hoyer administration. <laughs> the, new, the new administration. Hundred yeah. That's March second. By the, I looked that up the other day. <laughs> it's like the second Cactus League game. So it's his hundredth day. <laughs> from when they announced his deal that Monday, and I believe it's March second when the second Cactus right. League game is. So, Michael, write put, that put down. Put that in, yeah. <laughs> so that when we podcast around, then we can be like, "All right, we're evaluating the first hundred days of the Jed Hoyer administration." Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I, I totally. We look. We we here's a, a meta thing about the podcast. We are going to endeavor this year to be a little more conversational. Um, which is not to say that our sort of like systematic rotational approach, you know, Brett sets something up, Sahadev offers his <laughs> thoughts, Mooney offers his and sort of wraps it up and circles back. Like, I dig it. It's good. It's it's nice for us. We sort of get that rhythm going, but I understand that it can get a little rote for the listener. So the 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 rub there, though, is that we'll have to adjust where I'm like jumping in. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't really give Mooney a chance to to say a lot about that. Should I should I set something else up now or should I, you know, let him, you know, interject? And uh, yeah, but so, you know, we're going to be learning these rhythms as we go. It's spring training for us, too. Yes. Got to use that line. That's the old hacky cliche, but it's spring training for us too. Yeah, but Brett, Mooney, did you? Brett, Brett talks for five minutes and then just stares off to the side for <laughs> for ten minutes. <laughs> I'm used to it, you know. I like I get to say what I want to say, and then I'm like, and I'm not. When I look, see what Mooney's referencing again. We can see the video, and I I have a tendency to to look away from the screen for extended periods of time, not because I don't want to, to stare at these dapper and handsome gentlemen while we chat. It's just like, it's an audio format. So I'm like sort of putting my headspace into just audio. So that's why I'm like not looking at you guys because I'm just trying to create the optimal audio experience for our wonderful <laughs> listeners. Uh, okay. So uh, let me, let me just use this then. And let's, let's talk about the fact that, okay, Chris Bryant stays, Again, barring some crazy uh, 
unexpected thing, which just it, it just doesn't happen in spring training. You know, we always sort of leave that open, but you know, I don't know. I've been doing this a long time now. And that situation where that big injury happens on a contender at an obvious position where there's this other guy who was in rumors and then they pull off this March trade. It just doesn't really happen. You know, it just doesn't because, because budgets are set. Rosters are set. Teams don't want to make those kinds of massive changes to their roster right before the season. And so I think we are going to be looking at a situation where Chris Bryant will be with the Cubs on opening day and he will be joining a really voluminous set of players heading into their walk year with the Cubs, you know, barring extensions, which will get talked about this month, but for the, where it doesn't happen, I mean, we knew this year would be coming, but the Cubs have added to it, you know, with some additional signings on one year guys and um, some guys who maybe have emerged as, as valuable enough for us to think about uh, the walk year mattering. And so um, I know that this is something you guys have written about at The Athletic. I know that it's something that Jed Hoyer has talked about recently. Um, the I don't want to call it the value of having guys in the walk year because otherwise you would never extend anyone or sign any free agents for more than one year. It's not it's not always that you want a guy in his walk year, but is there a silver lining there? Yeah, I, I think the the silver lining is strictly for 2021, right? It, you have to look at it in a in a vacuum and and just say that this, uh, yeah, there is value. I mean, Jed brought up anecdotal evidence about Dexter Fowler. He was on essentially a pair of one year deals, right? He was on a walk year and then a, a one year deal uh, in 15 and 16. And, and he had uh, arguably like the best stretch of his career in the second half of 2015. And I believe the best offensive season of his career in 2016, when you look at weighted runs, created plus. Uh, so yeah, that, that word that's true for Dexter Fowler. There have been studies that show that this isn't just like an anecdotal thing. There are four to six, I believe I, what I wrote was it was four to 6% uh, bump in, in OPS uh, the the study was done in 2014, and that's what they generally found. And you know, it was a very detailed study. I, I didn't look at every single detail about it, but it, it seemed it seems like there's a real bump there for walkers, and it makes sense. Yeah, sorry, just because I know that you know a lot of our listeners are probably data inclined and interested in that stuff. So when you wrote that, that's you know it, it like really jumped out at me. I'm like, oh, there's act, this has been investigated, and I was not aware of that, and so I. I followed up on your thing and sort of dug out there and actually there've been several studies on this. It's not, it isn't just like a one, you know, fan piece or something. It's, it's actually been studied. And what was interesting to me is not only was there one, a, a lengthy deep analysis that indicated what Sahada found or, or mentioned, which was that you might see a four to 6% bump in the aggregate across players in their walk year. But uh, not only that, all of the studies basically indicated the same thing, which was um, there probably is a, a, a statistically noticeable impact and maybe more so than the walk year effect is the next year, which is that after you do sign the big contract in the aggregate, again, there's probably a little impact there, um, which is, you know, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this because I find this a fascinating human level topic where I think sports fans have probably thought and said this at the bar for decades, you know, ah, the guy got paid and he, he got, you know, he got his money and then the, the drive wasn't there and da, 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 or a guy, oh man, he's playing for a contract. So he's grinding a little extra hard before the season. He's doing this. And like, 
the rest of us who are statistically inclined or who are who who recognize well guys are kind of playing for a contract every year like that and and they want to win so there's a million reasons why this shouldn't be a thing um i don't know a little part of me feels like we're kind of eating it a little bit that maybe there is a little bit more to this than we wanted to give credence because it feels kind of rude to give it credence. You know, it feels kind of rude to be like, oh, well, if you're playing for a contract, you're going to be a little bit better. Uh, am, am I am I am I missing the mark there? Or does it feel kind of like ah, I hate having to acknowledge that this is real? I feel like baseball prospectus wrote about this like a relatively long time ago, like maybe 15 years ago was kind of the first time I saw it. And then I hadn't really put too much thought uh into it but i think ultimately <clears throat> we are going to talk ourselves into either one like if it's going to be a slow start it's going to be oh are you guys feeling pressure because of the walk here off of these you know just like mind-numbing zooms it's going to be so annoying <laughs> of like looking at the stats and then being like hey are you playing for your contract are you extra motivated or you must be feeling a lot of pressure especially after last season so that's just me getting that off my chest because I can already feel I that God, happening. I can't wait until you ask one of those. And I'm, <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get Michael to grab this snippet and I'm just going to put that back to back. And uh. <laughs> yeah, that was just my like little mini rant because I feel you know I get it. This is part of like Jed's job, but like kind of talking themselves into this roster. Like clearly, the Cubs are not better off without you, Darvish, this year. And like clearly, they have a lot of guys who are kind of similar in this rotation and yes, they have done a good job historically, but they've also kind of had like these anchors at the top of their rotation and that's gone now. And and I think the walk year phenomenon is something too, as well. Like clearly they've talked about extensions with these guys in the past. Like they wanted to lock them up. They did not want, they were not like, you know, playing chess while everyone was playing checkers here trying to make sure that all these guys were in their walk year and they've can't wait for 2021 and we get all these guys in the walk year and we are yeah going like to that's why so they kept ass. that's why they kept kb down uh, in 2015 <laughs> so we could all do uh these zoom conferences about you know trade rumors out of new york and then uh you know jed gets to kind of qualify uh you know a little bit here and there so um yeah but i mean it certainly it's come out of cost i mean it you know rizzo has been you know i think a little irritated at times with how this has gone um i think he signed his extension but i think it's something that people kind of forget this whole idea of like extend rizzo like well they did like he signed that in 2013 he made his choice and i think it's been a great deal for both sides and um you know we've written about this a lot too of like what are the Cubs going to do with Javi and how is Javi going to respond to this like huge class of free agent shortstops next year? I think things have changed a lot, obviously through the pandemic. And then also you have like, you know, uh, if it's not an inevitable labor stoppage, it's certainly a high probability of of that happening. Um, And so you have all these factors thrown together. I think it's going to be hard to, you know, make those deals in spring training that Jed is looking forward to discussing with these guys. And so, yeah, we probably are going to wind up with, you know, I think Jesse Rogers pointed out on Twitter, I mean, you could maybe half the roster opening day roster could be looming free agents. And that's going to set up a really interesting dynamic here this year. 
Yeah, and I think when you just look at that, I mean, it comes back to everything that we've been talking about, right? How critical this year is as far, how every trade is critical, right? Every move he's going to make, Jed's going to make, is going to be critical. Every uh, every discussion that we have about player development is going to be critical this year because they need some guys to take uh, jumps throughout the system. They need a handful. They need more wins than, than guys taking step steps back obviously you want that every year but it, it feels like it's very critical this year that throughout the organization there's some some leaps that are made and and they feel good about where all these processes are at because yeah when you have half your roster coming up yeah you can look at that as an opportunity coming up into free agency you can look at that as an opportunity like okay we're clearing the books uh, you know you have that uh you know financial flexibility that every front office craves and in theory, you could have a, a very nice farm system if, if things go as they hope, right? So it's it could be looked at as an opportunity, but it's also, I mean, that's that's a lot of talent being removed from the the roster, and and if if things don't go well developmentally, like how 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 badly do things look six nine months from now right if they if guys if more guys take steps back instead of uh, going forward if everything doesn't click if there's injuries whatever uh they could go from yeah this is an interesting organization that you know maybe a year or two from now they're aggressive in spending if things don't go well developmentally then all of a sudden that 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 tenor changes right like when is the spending going to come back then what what does this roster look like going forward beyond 2021 so uh, yeah as nice as i i get the spin i i i agree with some of it it's not it's not pure like fantasy uh, but it's also, it, it, I mean, Patrick's right. You prefer to have Javi extended right now and your, your shortstop locked up, right? The leader of your team, Anthony Rizzo, is one of the, I think we forget sometimes, I know I do, how good of an offensive player Anthony Rizzo is. It, he's usually overshadowed by someone like Javi or Bryant or whoever's hot at the time, but Rizzo is the most consistent presence in that lineup, and he had a so-so down year last year. Uh, in 60 games and and if you look at Rizzo's career he does have like three or four week stretches where it's like what's going on with Rizzo but in the end he's going to put up like a 140 weighted runs created at worst right like that's that's pretty much what he is he's that guy and and he's the prototypical offensive player that they want they they want to develop more Anthony Rizzo's right outside of maybe positional flexibility and, and speed uh, Rizzo has he's exactly what they want their mold to be at the plate if they can recreate that over and over again that have a great lineup and those two guys I think if they're not with the team beyond 2021 I think that's when you start to wonder what went wrong why what direction is this organization headed in and and you know what can we expect for the future because that's that's when i start to wonder where 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 things where things went awry if if 6 to 9 months from now we're talking about them on other teams or not extended whatever it was i think something went wrong then all right so to put a pin in some of that stuff not because it's not still important and appropriate for spring training but i did want to touch upon something a little bit uh, more specific and that's the return of Jake Arietta which um, as of this recording, still not officially official. Uh, there's physicals and protocols and what have you, but also a 40-man spot to be cleared. Um, but 
by all accounts, including Jed Hoyer's own, that deal is expected to become finalized soon. And I think it is reasonable, and I saw that this came up in the questioning too, uh, it's reasonable for fans to wonder, okay, so if they were going to bring back a veteran sort of semi-nostalgia-infused I say semi not because there's not tons of nostalgia there. There is. It's, it's been pretty fun for me personally to enjoy Jake coming back because it's just a lot of great memories. But I think the argument would be it's not just about that. Um, to what extent was there a choice here made uh, to to have that guy be Jake Arrieta and not be John Lester? And I, I think that's it makes for an interesting question. I know that Jed gave an answer. I'll let you guys get into that. But... Um, I think it's a, a, a justifiable question when you're evaluating the, the pitchers, when you're evaluating the roster, and when you're evaluating what you want 2021 to be. I do believe Jed when he said it was a just a matter of timing. I mean, the budget <clears throat> that budget range that Jed was handed this offseason was on the low end when the Nationals made an aggressive offer to sign John Lester, and I think it caught the Cubs off guard. Uh, I think John Lester was understandably antsy. Um, I think at that time, too, it was hard to think, you know, Jake Arietta and Scott Boris were not going to be patient. I mean, that's kind of what they do. I mean, Jake signed what, like in March uh, with the Phillies? And so, you know, I don't know if it was an either or choice at that point. It was just like whatever they offered John Lester, it was not close to what the nationals could give. And even as Lester kind of worked, David Ross, Jed Hoyer, chairman, Tom Ricketts, trying to figure out a way to get this done, their hands, Jed's hands were essentially tied and that he, he was, he did not line up on the IV computer system, uh, value ranking or, or projection. And I do think that it'll be interesting to hear what, you know, Jake says and what Ross says here over the coming days of kind of their reactions and how they processed this offseason. Um, I get what you're saying, Brett, that I think with Jake, there probably is maybe a little more upside. He He's younger. His stuff's a little different. I also think and John Lester. Too, sorry, just to on that, Arietta reportedly is getting – quite a bit more than whatever mm-hmm. it was that the Cubs were offering John Lester. Mm-hmm. Now, again, budget changed, but they're still not going to, they're not going to pay extra just because the budget changed. I mean, it clearly indicates an evaluation on their end of what the pitcher possibilities are in 2021 for these guys. I think you'd also say that Lester might have the higher floor too, just in terms of his career track record, his ability to, um, soak up those innings that, that they're going to need. And yeah, I don't know about you, you Brett, but I was kind of surprised on Twitter and some of the comments to our stories. There wasn't this like huge overwhelming outpouring of like, yes, Jake is back. Like, and maybe that's just the nature of social media and comment sections, but there was a lot of like, you know, what are they doing? He's washed up. And when it's not a lot of money, he's not blocking anyone. It didn't cost prospects. He is a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, I don't know. To me, it seemed like, you know, why not? Uh, And that was not the overwhelming reaction I got uh, from Cubs fans. Yeah, there was a a lot of, I mean, people who became acutely aware of his performance with the Phillies, uh, in part because his departure was synchronized with the arrival of Hugh Darvish. And it was 
you know, I don't know how explicit it was, but it was pretty close to explicit that the Cubs chose you Darvish instead of Jake Arrieta at that time. And I think a lot of fans, whether consciously or not, they saw Arietta's performance severely degrade with the Phillies and saw you Darvish, by contrast, upswing dramatically with the Cubs. And then the Cubs traded Darvish. So it's almost like to those fans, it's like, what are you doing? You got rid of the guy you chose correctly, who was awesome. And then you're bringing back the guy who stunk. And why are you doing, you know, I don't, I think some fans just don't quite see what the importance of getting the innings right now. Like these two, the two moves are not connected now. I mean, trading you Darvish had its own set of reasons and rationales that have nothing to do with signing Jake Arrieta now, which is entirely about, you know, getting a veteran who has some upside on a cheap one-year deal to cover some innings and maybe be a league average pitcher, which for forever in perpetuity fans will underestimate the value of a league average player. Like that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have in this rotation this year. And so um, I think that's why most of the excitement that you did see was entirely nostalgia driven. I mean, it was entirely about what has he done in the past with the Cubs. And it's fun to think about those things. And there was zero positive reaction outside of me was trying to provide some context to like why this could be a good signing. Um, There was zero positive reaction to like, the 2021 signing of Jake Arrieta. You know, I, I think you're so right on general, the general fan base uh, will just not value an average uh, product, right? Like an Except average our li- pitcher. Our listeners, of course, <laughs> we would never insult our listeners by saying they don't appreciate average players. <laughs> they know that our listeners are the smartest listeners in baseball thank you <laughs> rate review subscribe tell your friends etc cetera, etc cetera. please continue Sadi. uh and i i think and i get that you know you want stars that they lost uh fans don't have you darvish to cheer for so how are, how are you replacing that they're not replacing that with one superstar pitcher right so that's a little frustrating i know i looked forward to watching just as a fan i look forward to watching as a fan of baseball i look forward to watching you darvish pitch right i want to see the best of the best pitch or play out there and, and not having that every fifth day is uh isn't going to be as fun right he's fun to cover it's it's fun it's interesting to watch it's fun to break down i think what when you look at the pure results of jake arietta and say this is a 35 soon to be 35 year old pitcher uh coming off you know clear degradation of his stuff everything uh, the numbers are going down in the wrong direction very easy to be down on this very easy to say you know why would they give any money to this guy why should i expect that he'll be better than in philadelphia i think you're ignoring the factors of what was going on in philadelphia the pitching infrastructure there i'm not saying it was it was just not built up there they i think he had three different pitching coaches in three years if i'm recalling everything right and not to say that those pitching coaches aren't good, but it takes a while to establish, uh, especially nowadays. It's very detailed what a pitching infrastructure does. Very time intensive. It takes a lot of minds and, and collaboration. The Cubs have a very similar structure. Tommy hadovy has been around for a while now. Okay, Tommy Hadovy's a big part of this. Mike Barzello is a big part of this. Brad Mills is newer, but he basically replaced what Tommy Hadovy was doing before he was pitching coach. Those three guys are huge and a big part of this. They've they've worked with Arietta in the past. They they know 
when he's at his best, what makes him at his best, what type of pitching, what type of, you know, where they know how to get him to be at his best. Does that mean he's going to be a 27% strikeout guy that, that wins a Cy Young? No, no chance. That's not happening. But they also value uh, soft contact uh, more than more than just saying, let's try and get strikeouts. Have Jake Arrieta pitch in the top of the zone and throw his breaking ball down and have it chase. Like we want, we want the prototypical fastball up guy and and breaking ball chase guy. That's not Jake Arrieta's game, right? And he can he can get swing and miss. He can probably get more than the whatever seventeen percent strikeout rate he had last year. But the key is find a way for him to get back to pitching to soft contact. Maybe the swing and miss comes as a result because he's locked in his mechanics. He's getting – that's another thing I think the Cubs noticed that his mechanics weren't where they were at his best. Uh, that's that's complicated with Jake Arrieta since he has really difficult mechanics to repeat uh, and you have to be in pristine shape to really be – you know, to really pull that – that uh, delivery off consistently, but uh, you know, if anybody can be a pristine shape at 35, I'm sure Arietta can pull it off. The other big thing I think that fans I mean, are overlooking, I'm, dude, <laughs> dude, I'm pulling it off at 39. So like, I know I, I can see that, He's... Brad. Very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you wear that that hoodie well. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing: the Cubs have an elite defense. I know we we compare everything to 2016 far too often and that's the greatest defense some of us have ever seen but but it's a very good defense particularly in the infield right and, and now I, i'm not sure if you could say they have a below average defender at any position uh right now if if we you know assume peterson in in left and, and hap in center haps kind of looks like he's gotten to average in my opinion at, at center and Bryant's uh, definitely at average at, at third and the rest are border like you know gold glove finalists uh and peterson's about average right so i mean you go from one of the i mean the worst defense last year in Philadelphia, it's almost like I remember talking to scouts last year. They're like, what are they doing in Philadelphia? Have they just decided that defense doesn't matter at all? Like you can just put anybody in any position because that's that's how it was treated at that organization the last couple of years. They just dismissed defense and how you're going and like and granted Jake Arrieta was getting hit very hard like it wasn't like he you know that that's an issue they need to fix some things he needs to locate better one of the things that was pressed to me impressed to me was really they need he needs to focus on establishing down and away to righties that's where he thrives that's where he's best and he wasn't doing that in Philadelphia. But if they can get him back to that, that requires a little tweaking of the mechanics, making sure he's consistent and getting on top of the ball, that'll lead to more soft contact. And in turn, once he's doing that, the the strikeout percentage should jump up a little bit because he's exposing, you know, you can expose some weaknesses better that way once you're getting the weak contact and the awkward contact. Is that guaranteed? Is that going to happen? I don't know, but I'm just saying there's a lot more upside here than with the Phillies because it's a familiar, established pitching infrastructure that has success with these types of pitchers, a guy that they know, and they know Jake Arrieta well, and it's a significant upgrade in defense, not just a slight upgrade, significant. So I think those two factors, just a guy like Jake Arrieta wanting to prove himself and reestablish himself, all those uh, soft factors, those intangibles, I think all that makes it like, yeah, this is a good risky bet. Like, it's a good bet. You know, you, you take a few of these bets uh, in a year like this, a team like the Cubs, hope you, you hit on a few of those pitchers, 
and whether that leads to competing and and being a playoff team or having a few valuable uh, pitchers to trade uh, come July, uh, either one is is a situation that I think Jed Hoyer uh, would would embrace. You know, so he'll, he'll have great defense and no offense then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, just a little little fun fact: the deal that the Cubs signed Scott Feldman to was virtually identical to the deal that they now signed Jake Arrieta to. So. I don't know. You know, they're trading Jake, Jake Arrieta, Arrieta for the next Jake Arrieta. For the next Jake Arrieta, you know? <laughs> no, uh, and he's in a walk here, by the way. So he, he will clearly be overperforming. Um, so <laughs> I think, like, uh, yeah, floor's yours, Mooney. If you want to add anything on this topic, and then we'll probably wrap. Uh, I think we've got a good, good, good base going here for a good first uh, <laughs> podcast back. I don't want to blow. It. I don't want us to like linger too long. And blow it because I feel I feel really good about this one so far. <laughs> no, I'll end so it with that. Um, be careful am, what you say next. <laughs> I am pro Arietta signing because I am an inherently selfish journalist, and I think Jake Arietta <laughs> is a great story. Whether he's good, whether he's bad, whether he's in the middle, he is interesting all the time, and uh, I do think there is value for bringing it back to us playing armchair psychologists of all these guys in walk years, uh, all these soft factors that Theo talked about before his departure. I think Arietta brings a lot of intangibles, uh, a lot of confidence, um, and something that the Cubs would have missed without John, John Lester and something that I think they needed after what at times was a really kind of brutal offseason, I think um, the sight of him in a Cubs uniform uh, will be a good thing for a lot of those young pitchers who can learn something if they um, kind of pay attention to the way uh, the male Jane Fonda, as Joe Madden called him, went about his business. (laughs) If Jake Arrieta's return means we get to see some more of those body issue shots, uh, you know, hey, I'm not complaining. My Twitter feed, like when he's resigned, it was just it was a constant stream of him. And that's fine. It's been you know the wife walks by, she's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "Hey, I'm working. I'm working." Uh, all right, we'll probably leave it there, folks. Um, and we will be back at you next week. We're on a regular schedule now uh, with spring training back underway. So uh, make sure you have subscribed on your favorite platform to Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. Rate us, review us, share us with your friends. Really looking forward to this year of podcasting. You know, look, this year is not going to be normal. I won't call it normal, but I will say it'll, in theory, be considerably more normal than last year was. So looking forward to that. Glad to be back at it. And uh, I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff uh, off of the pod at BleacherNation.com. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. You can get their great stuff, as always, at The Athletic. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, folks. 